You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight injuries around the league with Will Carroll and speak to former NFL safety Kerry Rhodes, who has made a smooth transition to the world of entertainment. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Raiders offensive lineman Lincoln Kennedy. Link, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Be well, Katie's K. Stewart, man. It's good to be with you, man. How you guys doing? We are doing Great. well, and we know you're busy on a game day, so thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with defense. Undeniably, Khalil Mack, one of the best defensive players in the league. John Pagano added to the coaching staff. So why do you think this team is still dealing with real issues, and how much could Navarro Bowman help tonight? Is he going to make the start? Well, that's still up in the air. It hasn't been undecided yet. I mean, we, we don't know. I don't have a report as of this time whether or not he's going to play or not, if he'd be ready for it. But, you know, typically speaking, Navarro Bowman brings a presence not only as a veteran linebacker, an all-pro, but someone who not only has a savvy about playing defense, but more importantly has the attitude playing defense right. The linebacker core has been riddled with injuries and inconsistency play, especially because you put the young linebackers in an all switch spot. Um, so we'll see if it is an addition once he gets in the lineup. But I'll tell you, the, the thing has not been so much scheme, it's been personnel. You know, in the offseason, the Raiders try to address their secondary with Gary Connolly uh, and, and, uh, and other people to, to sort of make the addition to this defensive secondary. Mm-hmm. And because of injuries and inconsistent play, it just hasn't happened yet. And now they either be labored by injuries, uh, injuries and trying to inconsistencies and trying to keep these guys healthy. So. It's a chore in itself just getting, you know, 11 healthy guys out there for defense. When you mentioned addressing issues on the team, one was addressed, uh, and that was at the running back position after allowing Murray to move forward to to go out and lend his services to Minnesota. You bring in uh, Marshawn Lynch. Give me your take on how you're looking at this now with Marshawn. Was this more of a, a public uh, announcement and move uh, to get the crowd and the fan base a little bit more enthusiastic about the team because of the move going to Vegas, or this is just who they are and this is what some may have thought was uh, what it was going to be like because he only has, what, two touchdowns and averaging like, what, 3.7 yards per rush? Well, the reality, Case Stewart, is the fact that, you know, Marshawn Lynch was a big body back that the Raiders desperately need needed to run between the tackles. They've got that. The misnomer was that everybody was thinking that it was going to be the Marshawn Lynch of his past in his career, especially what you saw in Seattle. But the truth of the matter is that this is not a running team. This is not a team that's going to rely on the run. Seattle did. Seattle was perfectly fine with handing the ball 25, 30 times a game and having Marshawn Lynch and crew sort of you know make waves and, and control the game, especially with their defense. This is not the case. This is Derek Carr's offense. He likes to spread it around, spread the ball around, throwing it. And they had Marshawn as a changeup. Now, the reason why you talk about the early numbers not being as successful is well, it's it's also a fallacy when people think that he was going to come in and be able to save everything. Um, he's not that type of player anymore. He's 34 years old. You can't really give him the ball 25, 30 times a game because, like I said, this isn't a running uh, running uh, football team for, per se. And more importantly, because of his age and his status, he's a little beat up. He's been out of the game a year. So I was one of those people who came into the season thinking that Marshawn was going to play. Uh, I carried the ball anywhere for 10 to 12 times a game, and he's kind of been on pace for that. It's going to be a collective effort. Um, the reason why Marshawn Lynch has trying to been, been trying to bring DeAndre Washington and Jalen Rashard along because they know there's going to be a running back by committee. There's not one running back that's going to put them over top. That being said, when no, recently in the past couple of weeks, when number 24 is in the game, uh, because they have yet to really open up play action or other venues, um, people kind of crack down. They bring an extra man down in the box. You're kind of running into a seven, eight-man box at times where you don't have enough blockers. And the tendencies have killed the Raiders early in the season. So that's one of the reasons why he hasn't had as much success as one would thought. Chatting with our friend Lincoln Kennedy, sideline analyst, Raiders Radio Network. Link, since you're down on the field, you had a great perspective of Derek Carr on Sunday. How did he look to you coming back from the back injury, just watching the game on TV? Seemed a bit out of sync, and you know he came up with a pair of interceptions. Well, the thing is that, you know, the interceptions, interceptions were definitely costly, but you know, what I saw the Raiders consciously doing was trying to protect Eric Carr as best as possible, giving him really short routes, not really trying to stretch the field, trying to get the ball out of his hands early. And that's sort of what the, the sort of theory was. Now, you can, make, you can think that you know, one would say that with the, the game being on Sunday against the Chargers, 
And then following this Thursday, coming up against the Chiefs, that is pretty much going to be the same game plan in place. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to jump on that. Maybe they'll try to stretch the field a little bit more. But the big thing is trying to keep Derek Carr out there on the field by protecting him, not only with short throws and getting the ball out of his hands, but not trying to have him hold on and be susceptible to maybe some hits from the defense. When you see this division being one that has the Denver Broncos who at any moment can explode, um, we end up seeing them have a loss against the Giants, which doesn't hurt too bad because it's not within the division nor within the conference. You see uh, the other teams like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, that you guys are going to play actually uh, this weekend. It's, it's, it's one of those games where it seems as if the Oakland Raiders have their number, but Kansas City is playing really good football. You think they're up for the match of playing against this Kansas City Chiefs team? I will tell you what, Cordell, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs have had the Oakland Raiders number for a few years. Yeah. Derek Carr has won. I think he's one in five against the Chiefs in his short career. Right. Um, so he has not been able to beat the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are the thorn in the, the Raiders' side. Um, to me, it's one of those teams, and, and you know because you play the game, Cordell, it, it seems to be usually a team in your division that you can't get over the hump. You know, you think back historically, forever the Indianapolis Colts could not beat the New England Patriots. When they did, they made a, road to, a ride to the Super Bowl. But until then, they kept hitting their head against the wall. The way the round robin sort of works for me in the AFC is, is, is as such. Um, I believe Kansas City can beat New England, but Kansas City can't beat Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh can beat Kansas City, but Pittsburgh can't beat New England. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Houston and Oakland sort of follow somewhere in the mix, but I know right now Oakland has yet to beat Kansas City. Until Oakland is able to get over the hump and beat Kansas City, you can't even talk about playoffs or aspirations and maybe make it a run because you still have two teams that, that are part of that AFC hierarchy that are in your way, formidable foes. And you might be able to throw Houston in the mix depending on which Houston uh, Texans team you get on which day or somebody else from the AFC South. But right now it's got to be the, it's Houston. It's probably the Texans uh, because uh, Oakland can beat Tennessee, but I'm not necessarily sure they can consistently beat Houston. So that's sort of the round robin that you have within the hierarchy of AFC. Feels like we're playing three-card Monty, just moving this stuff around, trying to figure out who's going to make it to the Super Bowl. (laughs) All right, pal, you know how passionate Raider fans are dating back to your playing days, and you're physically close to them in Oakland as the sideline analyst. As you interact with Raider Nation, has anything changed this season with the announcement the team is heading to Nevada in 2020? No, that seems like a long prospect away. Most most of the Raider Nation fans are holding out hope that this team might be able to win a championship while it's still in Oakland, and that's what they're celebrating. A little bit down because they're on, a, on the midst of a four-game losing streak, but at any time this Raider team is able to get a win, the euphoria and the excitement will be surrounding this team again. Right now they are the Oakland Raiders, and that's what most of the Raider Nation are focusing on. When you talk about a window of opportunity, I thought last year was probably the better year for this team with Derek Carr as a starting quarterback. Defense was playing solid offensively. They found ways to make it work by throwing it. It seemed like it's changed a little bit. You think that window of opportunities closed a little bit or they still have an opportunity? No, I still think they have the opportunity. Matter of fact, they added a few additional superstars on the on, or stars on the offensive side to really make things way uh, go for them. You know, Cordell. In my opinion, last year's success they far they far exceeded expectations. Going twelve and four. I didn't think they were going to win 12 games, but they found themselves in a position where they did win double-digit games, but they could not get over the Kansas City hump. And then when Derek Carr went down with a broken leg, um, they really lost their way. They, they couldn't do anything in the last game against uh, Denver. And then, of course, uh, what they losing the first-round divisional playoffs and, uh, against Houston. So we know that Derek Carr is the, the main focus of this team. That's why it's so important for, them to be in, uh, for him to be in the lineup. I still think the window is open, but, but here's the thing. We all know this. You're only going to have a short time. Other than the New England Patriots, you really don't have a huge window or a huge opportunity for success when it comes to uh, playoff runs and championship runs. So it's now or never. They've got to right the ship, but first things first, they've got to get a win, and they've got to finally get a win against a team they have not had a ton of success against, like I mentioned, and it's a divisional game. Um, I think it's widely known that they're probably not going to win the division. It's not impossible, but it's a very uphill pass. Uh, task, but in, in, who knows? Once you get in as a wild card, anything can happen. So now their goal is just win some games to where they can become playoff bound. Lakey, great information as always. We'll get you go and get ready for your broadcast as we say goodbye. Cordell and I have had a difference of opinion when it comes to the role of the media, and Cordell says, "Well, when he was playing in Pittsburgh, he had to deal with a lot of stupid questions." Do you have any recollection of me standing in front of your locker when I was covering the Raiders for Fox Sports Net Bay Area? Was I asking tough questions or was I a dope? 
I be honest. I always thought you'd ask tough questions, B-Web. I don't remember half the questions you asked, but I don't <laughs> never thought of you as a Superman. <laughs> Thank you, Lincoln. I appreciate I your candor. That's how impactful he was to you, Lincoln. That's a good answer. No, buddy. I was afraid good of Lincoln. Answer. He's a big, giant guy. So I go, well, hey, big fella, how's it going to go on Sunday? And I'd leave the locker room before someone looked at me. Thank you, Lincoln. Have a great broadcast. Guys, it'll be well. I'll catch up with you soon. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and same pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for the most taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer, to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for our weekly conversation with a member of the NFL Legends community. We are pleased to be joined by Mark Bruneau. Always a pleasure to catch up with the former Pro Bowl quarterback, part of the NFL Legends community. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show again. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to chat with you. So let's start with Kansas City and Alex Smith. As you know, he's been playing at a high level this season despite suffering their first loss to the Steelers on Sunday. When you look at Smith, how much of his improvement do you think could be related to the fact that the Chiefs devoted a first-round draft pick to Patrick Mahomes or maybe Andy Reid's been a little bit more aggressive with the play calling? Well, I think it, I think there are reasons why uh, Alex is playing at a pretty high level this year. And, and – uh, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Alex. Now, he's surrounded by a good football team, and Andy Reid is, is one of the uh, offensive uh, geniuses in the NFL. I was fortunate to work with him in, uh, earlier in my career. But, uh, listen, you can't call Alex Smith a game manager anymore. He's had that, that label and that tag on him for some time. But uh, uh, he's much more than that. And, he's, and like I said, he's, he's got one of the best coaches in the business. Perhaps he's being pushed a little bit by Mahomes back there, but he's playing good football and, and – uh, He's, he's got a good football team around him, too. Mark, let's go to your old team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you have Tom Coughlin. Uh, he's in the front office. He was then your head coach when you had the opportunity to be there with Fred Taylor and Natron Mean Business. Uh, give me your take on how this team is actually playing football. On the defensive side, Calais Campbell, he's lights out football with a few other players by committee. And then on offense, you have Leonard Fournette, the young kid who's actually running as if he's been in the National Football League for some time. Give me your take on how, how it feels or, or how it looks from afar to watch your old organization actually look like they're competing every single time they step on the field. Yeah, Cordell. Actually, it's a it's a tough question to answer because uh, we've got a uh, we've got a couple different teams going on right now. Uh, sometimes we have the team that beats the Pittsburgh Steelers at this place, and the Baltimore Ravens in London uh, beats up the Houston Texans. But then we also got the team that's losing to the Jets, and and uh, we're inconsistent. You know, one week we show up and play really well. The next week, you know, we 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 just make too many mistakes and give away games. I mean, we've uh, we're we're three and three. Every other game is uh, you know we can't seem to put two games together. But Cordell, there are some bright spots uh, at the top of the list is Leonard Fournette, who's who's just stepped into the to pro football and has performed at a very high level. And uh, our defense is is much improved over last year with the top ten defense. But uh, just you know it's tough to pass on him. It's tough to run the ball against them. Playing really well on that side of the ball. Uh, some inconsistencies at quarterback and with Blake Bortles. Uh, he has at times been, you know, really sharp this year and, and, and at times a struggle. So right now the word is consistency. I mean, Tom Coughlin demands a lot of his, out of his players, out of his team. And, and right now we're just trying to figure out how to put two wins together and, and uh, still a lot of football left, but, but uh, just kind of all over the place as far as wins and losses right now. Mark, we know in football you win as a team, you lose as a team, but it's a quarterback-driven league. Beyond the numbers, are you seeing any improvement from Blake Bortles this season? You know, I, I really haven't up to this point. Um, you know, Blake at times this year has looked very comfortable, very poised. I mean, when I, when I watched him in the, the game against the Ravens in London, I mean, he looked like a 12-year vet, a guy that had been doing it, you know, uh, for a long time, playing at a high level a long time. I mean, comfortable, poised, making great throws, going through his reads, accurate. I mean, you name it. He looked great. You know, the next game, uh, he struggles. And so there's inconsistencies there. He has the potential to be very, very good. And I think it's just 
Uh, I think the running game with Leonard Fournette has helped him. Uh, the offensive line is doing a good job protecting him. Uh, it is hard when you lose your, your number one receiver, Allen Robinson, so I'll give him that. But uh, I think most people in Jacksonville expected to see more from Blake Bortles uh, at this point of his career. But, you know, there's 10 games left. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, he, he uh, finds a way to play more consistently and, and, and play like he is, he is uh, like he, you know, we, we know he can play at times. There's a team that actually probably is taking everyone by storm when it comes down to how they're playing on defense and, and, and offense and let's say special teams as well. That's the L.A. Rams. How much are you buying into how good this team is actually playing together, being able to go undefeated on the road, not a, a, scheme, a team that's not afraid to travel and play some good football? Are you buying into what they're doing? You know, I'm buying into it because I saw it firsthand when they played the Jaguars last week in, it, uh, in Jacksonville here. Um, Jared Goff is, uh, is much improved. You know, Cordai, you know, I, I always thought that you make your biggest strides from year one to year two, and Jared Goff looked, looked sharp. His numbers weren't great, but he took care of the ball, and uh, he looked very comfortable out there. I uh, did a lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage, which typically you don't see you know, young quarterbacks you know, giving that freedom to do. Uh, defensively, uh, very stout, very strong, and Listen, it was uh, they traveled three thousand miles to play in Jacksonville. We put them in the in the dark navy jerseys, like we used to do to you when you were the Steelers, Cordell. Of you course, exactly. We put you in the black jerseys, <laughs> and it's you know, and it's ninety, it's ninety eight degrees out there with the you know ninety percent humidity, and they didn't bat an eye. They came out and played played hard and and uh, beat us, and and uh, they're a good football team. And uh, Sean McVay is. is uh, I've heard so many good things about him, and uh, I'm just more than impressed with that at age 31, they need to put a team like this together and, and go out there and compete and play football. Taking you around the league with Mark Brunell, the former NFL quarterback, part of the NFL Legends community. Mark, world enough to recall, you started your career in Green Bay after winning the national championship with UW. Matt Flynn, you'll recall, held the Packers together the last time Aaron Rodgers went down with a broken collarbone. Do you think Brent Hundley can do something similar this season? Well, he's, he's uh, I, I think he can. And uh, uh, what's what's so important, Cordell, you'd agree with this. I mean, that your supporting cast, who you have around you, means everything, especially for a young, inexperienced quarterback. Uh, now, obviously, the game plans are going to change. Um, you know, it's, it's up to the Packers to find out, you know, what, what he does well, what Brett does well, what he does poorly, and focus on his strengths. And, and uh, But he's a confident kid. And... Uh, you know, and I think if they're if they're real smart with with their game plans, they've got to run the football, not ask him to do too much, play solid defense. Yeah, they're a good football team, and uh, um, and I, I think he could be just fine but as long as he realizes that he just can't put all of this on his shoulders, not not do more than he's asked to do, and go out there and and, uh, and just make good decisions with the ball. Uh, don't turn it over, and he'll be just fine. Mark, how would you deal with the, the Indianapolis Colts situation with Andrew Luck? Uh, Jacoby Brissett has come in, and, and he's, he's doing a pretty solid job. I mean, they're 2-4, and four, uh, one game out of first place, of course, because everyone else is tied at 3-3. Three and three. But if you get to the halfway point and say the team is, let's say, 4-4 four and four or something to that extent at the halfway point, 500, and uh, Andrew Luck is, is capable of playing, would you sit him – or would you give him an opportunity to come on the field to try to rally the team or just let Jacoby Brissett continue to play? You know, I would probably, I'd probably put in Andrew as long as he was uh, 100% healthy and as long as he was in, you know, healthy enough to protect himself out there. Um, you know, Andrew's one of those quarterbacks when he, you know, I think five, six years ago, however long he's been in the league, I mean, he was a, a special player and, and can be and has struggled with injuries and, and uh, hasn't had a lot of success lately. But um, right now, he seems to be the only hope, in my opinion, for the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm sure if you're one of his teammates and you had the decision to play him or sit him, you'd want him out there. I mean, he's not just a uh, – he not only has the potential to be a really good quarterback, but he's, he's their leader. I mean, he's their superstar. And, and uh, I'd put him out there, Cordell, as long as he was healthy. And Because uh, the last thing you want is to put him out there, him not being ready – re-injures his shoulder, hurts himself, and he's definitely out for the rest of the, the, rest of the season. But uh, um, I think they, they're a football team that could really use him right now. Finally, Mark, what does it mean to you to be a part of the NFL Legends community? It's a highlight every Thursday on this program to focus on this tremendous initiative. 
Yeah, it's a great initiative. I've been a part of it since the beginning, about four years now, and and I really applaud Mr. Goodell uh, uh, for starting this. Listen, there's there's twenty thousand former NFL players alive right now, and our job in working for the Legends community is, is to try to connect those guys, uh, former players, whether they played in the uh, in the nineties, in the in the sixties, whatever it was, try to connect them with with opportunities, uh, programs, resources, all things that are available to them through the NFL. Um, Cordell, I mean, I've, I've got te- teammates that are out there that aren't playing in the league anymore that are absolutely struggling. I'm sure you do too. And so yep. uh, my job is, is, is really to try to locate those guys, connect them, point them in the right direction because there's a lot available out to them, uh, whether it's a, a physical ailment, uh, they're struggling mentally, financially, looking for what's the next part of their life, what to do, their next career. So, the NFL does a good job in providing for our former players and helping them out and getting them on track. And, and uh, it really is a privilege to work with these guys and, in the league office and, and, uh, and just help our brothers, you know, and, and that's really what the Legends community is all about. Well said, Mark. We always appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I went to Stanford and grad school at USC, so I'm a double shot of Pac-12 <laughs> alumni. Cordell's all in with the Pac-12 now because Colorado's joined our Conference of Champions. As a UW alum, Mark, tell our national audience that if Washington wins out, undeniably they're going back to the college football playoff. Uh, there is absolutely no question. Uh, they, they deserve it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm rooting for the uh, Washington Huskies, and uh, Chris Peterson's doing a great job out there. So go dogs. Thank you. Because the mm-hmm. SEC gets way too much conversation. That's my comment. Way commentary. too much. Way Thank too you. much. Mark, enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat with you again on the NFL on TuneIn Down the Road. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by the injury analyst, Will Carroll. Well, let's start in Green Bay. Take you back to four years ago. Aaron Rodgers cracked his left collarbone, missed seven starts, came back for the regular season finale, won that game to go to the postseason. What's the outlook this year with a broken right collarbone? It's going to be a little bit different. Now, we know he's going to heal up. He's going to be fine. The surgery makes sure that that bone stays in place. The difference is the side, and that does make a difference here. Obviously, he is a right-handed quarterback. When he was braced up, and if you've ever broken your collarbone, if you know anybody that had a uh, broken collarbone, they basically strap it across your chest. And believe me, if you've ever done it, you know that you want it there. You don't want to budge. You don't want to do anything. It feels very good there until that bone heals up. Uh, so you know, when he had it on the left side, you can obviously do a lot of things with your right arm, keep it strong, keep it loose, keep that range of motion, even throw a little bit. He's not going to be able to do that, and he's not going to be able to do that for three to four weeks, even with the surgery. All this is going to do is make sure it heals properly. It's not going to make it heal any faster. It's not going to make it any stronger. It's plating a bone, not turning him into the $6 million man, because but frankly, he costs a lot more than that. <laughs> He's going to be able to come back. The question is the timing. It'll be safe for him to come back at about that 8- to 10-week mark. It's going to be the function. How quickly is he going to go from not throwing for a month or more to throwing the way that an Aaron Rodgers does? And that's going to be the open question, the real challenge for him and the rehab staff. Well, give me a give me a sense on Cliff Averill. I know sometimes you you have a multitude of injuries that the league are really careful with, when especially like your head and and things of yeah. that nature. But the neck for Cliff Averill? Yeah, these these you have to be ultra careful with because you know a lot of times. Well, first off, you'll see an injury like Tyreek Hill, where it's it's a head injury is what you see, but it's the neck that moves. You know, if, if you don't have a concussion, you might have a neck injury in many cases, and people think this is a way of covering it up. But the fact is, 
you know, the neck gets torqued around, it's got to try to hold the head on. Uh, and certainly you don't want it to, to fail at that. Uh, with Cliff, you know, you've got to worry about anything relating to the spine, whether it's Derek Carr with that lower back injury, but especially with a cervical injury, you've got to make sure things are stable. You've got to make sure things are safe. You've got to make sure those nerves aren't entrapped because you know, if you think back to Peyton Manning, uh, he was safe to go out there. The question is whether those nerves would regenerate enough for him to throw. Uh, same thing for a player like Averill. He's got to use his arms. He can't run out there uh, you know, at 80%. So getting him back safe, getting him back functional is absolutely the key. And any time you get the spine involved, it adds that extra element of carefulness that you have to have. Injury analyst Will Carroll is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, what can you tell us about the shoulder ailment Golden Tate is dealing with earlier in that game on Sunday in New Orleans prior to getting hurt? He had a spectacular touchdown, looked good flipping into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. Great flip, uh, but once again, shoulders have fallen out. And we're seeing this with receivers some, but we're seeing this more with quarterbacks. If you think about Jameis Winston, Tom Brady with the, the non-throwing shoulder, uh, Tony Romo a couple of years with collarbone, Aaron Rodgers last week with collarbone, or even Andrew Luck a couple of years ago uh, with what led to his labrum and labrum surgery, this is the same kind of motion. These players are getting driven into the turf, often with someone on top of them, additional force from the run to hit, uh, and the shoulder is simply not protected. Yeah, you have the big shoulder pads, but those are for impact with another player, kind of the old uh, running back pad level kind of thing. You think about Earl Campbell with those big shoulder pads and lowering them. It doesn't protect the shoulder at all, and that's what's happening with all of these injuries. The shoulder is being driven into the turf, and something is giving in. You know, if your arm's extended, you're probably going to break your collarbone. If you roll over it, you're, you're going to tear something inside, the shoulder caps or, or the labrum. Or if you get over it rolls backwards, you're going to open up between the collarbone and the shoulder what's called the, the acromioclavicular joint, uh, the AC joint. That's why you see the AC sprain in so many of these cases. There's no pad. There's no, I don't know, anything shy of Tony Stark popping out an Iron Man suit for these guys just isn't <laughs> going to protect them. There's simply no way in the current game of football to protect these players, short of saying, flag football on quarterbacks, but then again, we're going to leave guys like Golden Tate. It's an AC sprain. This, it's a functional injury now. Uh, the pain can take care of, and players can normally play through that. The question is whether he can reach up and catch the ball. Uh, when you see shoulder injuries on receivers or tight ends, you always worry about how functional their arms are for blocking and for reaching up. And if a player can't go up for a ball, uh, that gets their quarterback in trouble really, really fast. Speaking of quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater, sound like he's back. Give me your take on how soon do you expect him to be back in the game, considering that he's clear to practice and be a part of things. Uh, give me your take on that, considering he had a, a torn ACL. Well, it was more than a torn ACL. I mean, he very – that was an injury that literally could have cost him his life. If there had been a vascular injury when his knee dislocated, he could have bled out right there. And the medical staff there with the Vikings, Eric Sugarman and his staff, uh, it didn't have that. But you have to treat it like it did. There was no nerve damage. There was no vascular damage. Teddy got a little bit lucky but mostly had great care, and he's had great rehab. The fact that he's able to come back is pretty impressive. Uh, all credit to, to the Vikings medical staff and to Teddy. Now what we, we're going to see is just how functional he is. Players come back from this. Uh, players come back from ACLs. Players come back from broken legs. Uh, it's a question of function. How much is he going to have to adjust in the short term? I remember when Paul George came back from his devastating leg injury, uh, you could visibly see from across the court that one leg was bigger than the other. We saw that with Teddy when he first came back, and now this year he's looked a lot better. You saw him moving around during camp. Uh, there was absolutely no problem. So I think Teddy's going to be back. Now the question is, mentally, is he back? Is he, you know, how, how much has he seen... Uh, that he's going to have to get back up to game speed. Uh, I think that's going to come quick. So, you know, if Sam Bradford can't get healthy, they might not have to worry about it because Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is going to be back quickly. Uh, they were hoping they wouldn't have to play him this year. But if they do, I think they're going to learn that he's uh, the quarterback they, they knew they had. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Will Carroll on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, you've given us a lot of insights related to Andrew Luck. What inferences do you draw from the announcement that he is now going to have the cortisone shot? He's going to have a rest period. Do you think they shut him down for the rest of the season? 
No, no. A cortisone shot is an anti-inflammatory. And a lot of people have said, well, they're just trying to change time. You don't have a cortisone shot just for the heck of it. You have a cortisone shot because there's inflammation and they think something's going on inside the shoulder. Now, he started to tune it up last week. We saw him throwing the ball deep. Uh, we saw him throwing the ball more. So it's a chance there's something as simple as a bursitis in there as he starts to tune it up. Well, we see this often with pitchers, that a guy will come back uh, and they're fine, they're fine at 75%, 80%, 90%, and then they start to go full speed and it starts to act up again, that until they get to that game speed, let alone collisions in football, uh, it's just not the same. So the fact that it swelled up a little bit is problematic. You certainly don't want to see that, but it's not horrible. Uh, this isn't that they immediately saw that something was broken, that one of the anchors had come loose. This is like, ah, oh, we see a little inflammation. Let's give him a shot, give him a little time off, and see how it goes. As long as we see him back throwing the ball next week, I'm not going to worry about this at all. It's one of those little bumps in the road. Well, we had a chance to see Jameis Winston come off the field and be replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick because of a shoulder injury. Yeah. Uh, how bad is it for Jameis Winston? Not bad. Uh, as I said before, we're seeing more and more of his shoulders injuries. Saw it with Tom Brady in the non-throwing shoulder. Same thing with Jameis. He landed on that shoulder. It opened up uh, and has that mild AC sprain. Uh, the best thing for them to do is keep him upright. Uh, but unfortunately, in the modern NFL, that doesn't happen too often. So he, they're going to have to manage the pain. Uh, they're going to have to manage keeping him in a place where he can succeed. But it's not going to alter his throwing, and I doubt it's going to keep him off the field. Well, as always, we appreciate the information. Thank you for the time. We'll chat with you next Thursday here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. Pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for the most taste with only 96 calories. Miller Light, the original light beer, to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's welcome in the former NFL safety, Kerry Rhodes, who's now making his mark in Hollywood. Kerry, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, it's, it's funny you played that clip because uh, I still remember it and I should have scored, so I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> Spoken so, like a true uh, defensive back. So let's start yeah, at the man. beginning of your entertainment career. How did you start to make the transition from football to film? Uh, well, the transition was already happening for a long time, and I was always uh, into, into entertainment, into the entertainment business. I, I was a theater minor in college, so the, the, the takeover in my mind was happening the, the first day I stepped on into the league and had that opportunity to uh, broaden my horizons and meet people and, and, and spread my network. So, I mean, it was always happening, but, I mean, right after I retired, I mean, I, I jumped right into the business and started taking classes again and, uh, and, and started getting out there to uh, make this thing happen. So, I mean, four years four years later, I'm, I'm on a TV show with Tyler Perry now, uh, and I got a movie that comes out in theaters, which is an independent movie, which just, just doesn't happen that, that often. So, it's been crazy. It's been, a, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind. Being an athlete that you are, were, still is, all that great stuff, again, we appreciate you for coming on, coming out of Louisville, in the, getting drafted in the fourth round. Of course, you probably felt like you should have gone earlier. Don't we all feel that way, right? But you take that drive uh, that you had in you when not giving the opportunity to go as early as you may have wanted to. How do you think that transcended from being on the football field with players and teammates working together to now being in the film industry to where now you have people coming from all walks of life, different mentalities, different approaches, and now trying to do something special like you're doing now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, yeah, I use that in my career, obviously, a lot. I mean, I was uh I mean, I was told I, I was told I would go anywhere from the second round to the fourth round, and obviously you always think the higher of the two. So I mean, I thought I was going to go higher and 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 drop to the fourth, and uh, you know I dropped into the right situation for me. I mean, I went to a team that needed me, and I came in and started from day one. I mean, as a fourth round guy, so I always use that uh, as motivation, as as a as a chip on my shoulder. I I, I mean, I remember the first year I, I put I put every person that went in front of me on my list and said they would not play better than me and they wouldn't be. Uh, a better pickup than me, and I came out as a rookie and made all rookie teams. Then the second year, made all pro. So I mean, it, 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 it was always my drive. But 
kind of translates, it, it correlates the same way to, to the, to, to, uh, the entertainment, uh, uh, field, sorry. Cause, um, People said I shouldn't have retired soon. I, I retired when I wanted to. I didn't, I, I could have played a couple more years, but I didn't. I wanted to get into the business now while I while I felt uh, it was best for me, and I, I went into it. And so hearing those naysayers say uh, he should have still been playing football and he's not going to succeed in what he's doing now is was just the same thing. So it's always always kind of had those parallels with that going on. And once I got into it, man, I wasn't going to stop. And the drive and the and the focus that I've had from football, I mean, I just I use that and. And, that for, and a lot of times, that's that's for the better, and that's and that doesn't really happen in that business because a lot of actors are are, are born actors and then blessed and kind of a little bit lax with it. But me, I'm like, no, this is a game. I got to go out and make this happen, and I go out and do it. You know. Kerry Rhodes, our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Check out his new film, Tragedy Girls. We're going to get to the details of that opening tomorrow. Kerry, you were talking about your rise from college football to the NFL. Typically, yeah. the best players find a way to get onto the field. Sports is a meritocracy. I know politics gets involved, but players usually yeah. break through. How do you think yeah. that compares to the entertainment industry? It does not. Okay. <laughs> so like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's similar to what you're saying. Like, it's, that's a really good question, too, because you can be, like you said, the, the, the better players are usually going to play. And that's and such an elite because teams have to win and GMs and coaches get fired if they don't. So that's, they have to, essentially. But in, in, the acting, in the acting world, in the acting business, in the acting field, you can go in and kill an audition and, and be really good and, and, and have a performance of your life. And if you don't fit the role, uh, if you don't look a certain way or you don't dress a certain way in the audition or you don't know the, the producer or you don't know the director, you're not going to get that part a lot of the time. So it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And it's very frustrating, and it's also very humbling because you uh, – I mean, you know you went in and you did a good job and you don't get that job. So being told no on a, on a daily basis is, is, is very, very, very difficult. So uh, that's why I kind of started, I mean, I still do doing this in the process, but if that's something that I can make myself and, and, uh, and be involved involved with uh, from, from the grassroots part of, part of the project, and I'm, I'm on board with that too. Going from being a player that was being scouted to now you're the scout, scouting director slash front <laughs> office guy now, Kerry. Um, yeah. When going through that process, how difficult is it? Because you know, like in football, you want to have the right personnel grouping together where guys work well beside each other. How hard is yeah. it in the filming and entertainment industry to the point where if you're off just a little bit, you, you sometimes have to make up for it in other ways. And what is that making up process when you talk about a guy struggles because you thought he was the one, but you have to ad lib or be a little bit more creative to make it work? Yeah, it's very, it's very chemistry based in this, in this field for sure. I mean, you can, you can have the best project, but if you don't have, you can have the best project, you can have the best director, you can have the best actors, but if you don't have a great cinematographer that can capture what you want or a good DP that can capture uh, the stuff that, the director wants or the producers want, then it's just it's all for not. It's it's, it's going to be a bad thing. So, I mean, it's it's, def, it's definitely a, a a teamwork environment and a teamwork uh, field. I mean, it's no, it's not just one person that's making this train, this ship go. So, you have to uh, take that into account and, and know that you want to hire people that, for the most part, are probably better than you. You want those guys around you to go out and and, and make this thing happen because they're going to take they're going to have the same type of pride and same type of, of vigor and, and want to have the best product out there, I mean, just as much as you will. So you have to put the pieces together and you have to, and, and, and you have to make it work. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very similar to sports in that aspect. Gary, tell us about Tragedy Girls. Your new film already has done well in prestigious film festivals. What's the premise and how can people check it out? Well, I mean, yeah, the, uh, the film's called Tragedy Girls. And it's about two high school girls who are obsessed with the horror genre and they're obsessed with being social media stars, which we can all relate to now. I mean, with just the way the world is, and, I, and so they go out in the premise. They go out and they capture the the, the serial killer that's running that, in that town right now, and they they want him to uh, kind of show them the ropes, but he doesn't really oblige to it. So they go out and do it on the, do it themselves, and go out and uh, and cause ruckus in their in their small town, small town, and um, and and they become internet internet stars and and and, and the whole nut. So I mean, it's. Very fun ride, very very cool. It's it's being called, it's being tapped the new the new scream of our generation. So it's got that vibe to it, and uh, got a lot of cameos and, and good performances by the two leads, Alexandra Ship and Brianna Hildebrand. Uh, Alexandra's the uh, the new storm in the X Men series, and uh, Brianna Hildebrand is uh, 
uh, Negasonic Warhead and Deadpool, and then we have appearances by Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games and Craig Robinson from The Office and all that stuff. So it's it's it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. It's an epic ride, and and we're and we're enjoying we're enjoying it. We, like I said, you said it earlier, we won the Brooklyn Horror Festival, we won we won London Fright Fest, and we won Macabre, which is uh the Latin 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 film festival. So I mean, it's just, it's getting a lot of buzz, and we're enjoying what what we've seen on uh, with the reaction so far, and it comes out. Tomorrow we're in theater, so we'll see what happens at that point. But we're, we're excited about it. Perfect timing with Halloween coming up in 12 days. Carrie, best of luck with the film. We appreciate you taking the time to join us as we say goodbye. Now that you're a Hollywood mogul, I have a dream of becoming a game show host. Can I pitch you a game show and we can maybe take a meeting together at the Peninsula here in L.A.? Don't do it, Carrie. Don't have your, do it. Have your people call my <laughs> <laughs> We got your number, Carrie. I'll be in touch. Thank you. No problem. How's it going? You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Country Roads, your all access pass to everything Nashville. There's a lot better music selection. Marin Morris, Kenny Chesney, Florida Georgia Line, Sam Hunt. Hey, we're all Dominion. We're all we written in the same. Plus, news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton, bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan, cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Holden Kushner of TuneIn Sports. Holden, we appreciate the time. Let's start in Green Bay. What's the fantasy forecast for Brett Hundley trying to hold the Packers together without Aaron Rodgers? You know, this is not like it's the first time Brett Hundley's ever had a chance to uh, learn the system here. Now, he he was thrown in last week. Didn't look uh, particularly great, but he's a guy who can go back to college. He uses his legs. He was a fairly accurate quarterback, and I don't think that the—I think the drop-off's going to be big because Aaron Rodgers, if he's not the best quarterback, then he's the second-best quarterback in the National Football League, so that'll be drastic from that— from that uh, perspective, but I still think he's going to be an average to above average fantasy quarterback going forward. As a matter of fact, you know, I got him right around where Marcus Mariota and Tyrod Taylor are this week, and he did look the direction of Jordy Nelson more than anybody else. So at least he's going to the right guy uh, this week, I think, against New Orleans. There's be opportunities for him, and you know, he'll be a top 12 quarterback. So if you're in a 12 team league, I think he'll be uh, a back end quarterback one. I like him. Holden, for those who drafted Willie Sneed and after suspension, an injury, and now not much production, is he still worth holding on to? Nope. That's my mm. answer for you. It's just, it's not a good situation. Listen, he's missing practice now. Uh, Michael Thomas uh, w- was a guy that disappointed a lot last week. I think the matchup is going to be great again this week. Michael Thomas, the guy to look at. Coleman looked pretty good, too, um, when Snead wasn't there, and it seems as though the number two option in the passing game right now is Kamara. And don't forget that Ingram is a a pretty nice um, addition to the passing game, too. He's always been consistent in the passing game, and they use both tight ends sparingly, but Hill and uh, Kobe Fleener both uh, had some some action in that uh, passing game as well. So I, for me, Willie Sneed, if you if you find a better option, I think he's fine to drop. And Cordell Michael Thomas, no relation to Philip Michael Thomas of Miami Vice fame. Miami Vice. Want you to know that Ricardo Tubbs is not walking through that door. Is this an 80s day? Is this an 80s <laughs> oh, day? Oh, no, no. We went 1975, my man. We were breaking down $6 million dollar man, yeah. Love Boat. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole show on Demand. Love Boat. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Night Rider. I love Boat. We play the yeah. hits here on TuneIn, my man. I smell a Marconi coming or I smell something. Let me take you to London. I have to defer to Cordell. I did the long rant last week. Adrian Peterson is done. Old people go to Arizona <laughs> to retire. I might have been wrong for one week. Rams defense holding is good, but they've underachieved against the run. What's the fantasy outlook for AP in the UK? I think they've been smoked by the run. As a matter of fact, if there's a there's an algorithm that I use, it's called adjusted fantasy points. When you get down to it, the Rams, nobody's been worse against the run to this point. So this is a juicy matchup. Now, the question is, 
Are the Rams the favorite? Because if we're looking at a game script, is it possible that Arizona is going to be trailing in this game? And if so, then it's Andre Ellington that's going to get more of the uh, receptions out of the backfield, and they, they would be using him a little bit more. Personally, I love what I saw out of Adrian Peterson last week. Um, I am absolutely firing him up. Is he is he a number one? No. Is he a top fifteen though? Yes, absolutely. And he does have a chance to to join one of the top five or six uh, running backs this week. So I'm all in on Adrian Peterson after seeing what he did last week. That was pretty impressive. Yes, he was. Julio Jones, he hasn't been too impressive when it comes down to getting into the end zone. But will the Falcons' offense force the ball to him in the red zone, and does that help or hurt? His or Matt Ryan's value. Now that was now. Abe, did Abe tell you that that's what I want to ask you? No, no, no. football guys. We this don't. This is my we, question to you guys this week. We don't Sarkeesian, script, Yeah, he and he he has a good excuse. Listen, we run the ball very well in the red zone, or he calls it the red area. They run the ball very good in the in the red area, so they have not been getting the ball to Julio Jones. He's been getting double teamed. So my question to you guys is: Do you think that this is the week that Julio gets peppered? in the red zone against the worst secondary in the NFL. Now, Why before not? answering that, Cordell, we don't script anything on this show. No, this is organic no. and spontaneous. Oh, okay. That's it, I got Cordell. a list of questions that, that, <laughs> I, that I don't look at them ever. I just he, he goes, what questions do you want? I, say, I bring up like three. I'm like, just ask about these three players. And then he sends me this list. He's such a hard worker, Abe is. But yes, he is. Really, that's, I don't that's also called at the false list. hustle, as you know. Yeah. Cordell, answer the question. Well, I mean, this is the time to actually get it done. I mean, if you've struggled... Uh, with your marquee player, one of the marquee players in the game, one that's been known to to be pretty darn good in the red zone. If you have a secondary that's truly struggling, like the one they're actually going to play against this weekend, you better hurry up and try it. Don't force it to put yourself in position to throw more interceptions like Matt Ryan has done a lot of over the last few weeks. But yeah, you give him an opportunity to catch the football because who's going to cover the guy? People's well, done it as of lately, but if this is one of the worst defense defenses from a passing game standpoint, give him a chance. But I don't remember him having a great Super Bowl either. So right, I agree. So maybe and Belichick likes to take the number one option away. So I'm that's why I'm asking you guys. I'm so up in the air on Julio Jones. Obviously, you're starting him in your seasonal league, but for a guy like me that plays you know daily fantasy football, it's kind of up in the air for me whether or not I can trust the guy this week. I liked I like Devontae Freeman a lot more. I love their running game. Fantasy Fix, Holden Kushner, host of MLB on TuneIn. Let me be Ron Burgundy. Go back to my teleprompter here. Or Dick Stockton. You'll get that reference, Holden. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. Does the Poor addition guy. of C.J. Spiller just read what's on the card, pal? By the way, I've done that, too. <laughs> Have you never done that? No, no, no. Well, let me finish this question okay. that someone okay. wrote for me, and then I want to talk All about right. that faux pas. Yes. Does the addition of C.J. Spiller in Kansas City have any impact on Kareem Hunt? No. None. Okay. Zero, zip, zilch. Now let's talk about you screwing up on the air. What did you do? I got my name wrong once. I'll tell you that story. But well, I've, listen, I've, I've, I've never misread a card. What? Yeah. You got your name. How do you get your name I'll tell you that second. story How do you get your up? name wrong? All right, all right. I was young. I was a Doogie Howser broadcasting. Somebody put me on TV. I was 22. And it was my alma mater. So think about the nerves that are going through my head. I mm-hmm. rehearsed everything except for the beginning. I'm working with this guy who doesn't like me, whose name is Bob Murphy. So I sign on and go, hi, everybody, I'm Bob Murphy. And I pause. I go, hold on, the legendary Bob Murphy? No, different Bob Murphy. Not Bob Murphy from the Mets. A a blowhard who's no longer with us in Palo Alto. And you could send that to any blog you want. Bob Murphy, longtime voice of Stanford Sports, was not thrilled to be working with me. I get this gig. I'm nervous. I get my name wrong. I pause. And I go, Murph, we're off to a good start. I'll do better the rest of the way. And I laugh. So that's why you, if you know in TV, record the open. You want it to be clean. I'm bearing my soul. What's your story, Holden? Oh, I mean, I listen. I've been <laughs> a radio yourself, guy. Holden. Go ahead. Well, Tell I've been a radio guy my whole life. So finally, I got on. I was uh, the number two guy over at our local CBS affiliate before taking this job, which was a horrible idea. I should have stayed there. Anyways, doing the number two job there, and the the one time my producer who was writing a script up for, I said, just write the last story for me. And then um, it, it goes, all right, so uh, – and Julio Jones scored two touchdowns. And that's our news today. Let's throw over to Doreen on the other side. Doreen looks toward me, and, the, uh, and then I stopped right in the middle when it was – they started saying the cue, who I'm throwing to and where I'm supposed to look. So I started reading that on there, and I'm going, oh. And I wasn't 22. This is when I was, like, late 30s. <sighs> Live broadcasting, yeah. partner. Ain't nothing like it. No, yeah, listen, like- it happens, man. What are you going to do? It's live. Yeah. But better on radio. Hang on, because let's get back to vanity. Better on radio because people can't see you dying. 
When you screw up on camera and television, and believe me, oh, that was the foundation of my career. Yeah. Nothing worse than looking at that camera going, yeah. my goodness, I have no brain. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. They, and Start now it's like, if you, if you screw up in anything and somebody's recording, you're done. Oh, my goodness. Every, poor Dick Stockton. Listen, Dick Stockton <laughs> was probably... Probably should have retired five or six years ago. Well, go ago. back to 1975, Carlton Fisk. Go back to the NBA on CBS, yeah. early 80s. He was yeah. tremendous, but perhaps the best. it's time to say goodbye. He was the best. Well, my favorite one was like in 2012 when he goes, Roger Griffin the third Jr. And I'm going, what are you doing, man? RG3, just spit it out. And that's when I knew it was over. But <laughs> Dick Stockton, one of the greatest of all time. All times. This you was a, really a hard-hitting fancy segment, huh? <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, listen, it. sometimes you need to have some fun, too, if, if it's, you know, you guys are fantasy out the yin-yang, uh-huh. so anytime you want to talk about Miami Vice, my mom bought a uh, Trans Am, my dad bought her a Trans Am back in 1985 when Knight Rider was big, so she was kind of a badass for a while, and, you know, that's my life in a nutshell. That's it's outstanding. Okay. These are the insights I'm looking guy. for post game tonight after the Dodgers and Cubs get done in Wrigley Field. Oh, right. I'm going to have that game, on, that NFL game on, though, tonight. This should be a good one. Should but, be speaking good of, but speaking of that game, who's going to have the biggest fantasy performance oh, nice. tonight between those two teams? Look at Cordell saving the second. Who's playing again, guys? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, gosh. I mean, isn't it going to be Kareem Hunt, right? One would think, right? Oakland can't stop anybody. I mean, they can't, they're horrible against the run. By the way, I, I went to school at Kansas, so my first job was actually being a cameraman for the college radio station. They took me up to... Up to Arrowhead, which, Cordell, you played there. I mean, being Great on stadium. the field. I've gotten heart palpitations being on the on the field before the regular season games. It's so loud there. Yep. And uh, Thurman Thomas Ooh. laid me out in a preseason back. game one time yeah, on the went. sidelines there at Arrowhead. Anyways, I'm going Kareem Hunt. Yes. This is phenomenal. Get back. This is going to be the segment now moving forward. Forget about fantasy analysis. Guys that Cordell, my Brian, ass on the field. Cordell tell stories about their careers. <laughs> Holden, have a great show. Now, when there's a celebration going on, do you pop the champagne at home? Do you mirror what you're seeing at Wrigley Field? No, but I, obviously, you know, anytime I win money, anytime I win a fantasy football championship, I do, and I have pictures. You know, my wife buys me champagne, and we pop the champagne, and we have a good time. Although last year we had to pop the uh, like the sparkling grape juice because I got a two-year-old daughter, and I didn't want her getting hammered. <laughs> He's father of the year and a yeah. fantasy analyst, Holden Kushner. <laughs> Enjoy the game tonight, Holden. Bye, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and same pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for the most taste with only 96 calories. Miller Light, the original light beer, to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's dig deeper into the Thursday night matchup between the Chiefs and the Raiders, focusing on our home team hero, Oakland's Marshawn Lynch. Now let's focus on tonight's home team hero presented by Miller Lite. It's NFL No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We're highlighting the players who were lucky enough to play for their hometown team, making them your home team hero, presented by Miller Lite. Cordell Marshawn Lynch, the pride of Oakland. He went to Oakland Tech High School, stayed in the East Bay for College of Cal Berkeley, came back to Oakland this summer to play for the Raiders after the brief one-year retirement capping his run in Seattle. To me, he's meant more to this team as a community ambassador than a football player because of his limited production. How do you see it? I agree with you. I mean, if you really break it down to to try to figure out you know, what's his strong suit at this moment in time, I think he's that piece that keeps everything glued together in that community because after finding out that this team was actually going to leave and go to Las Vegas in a few years – I think the energy within that community actually just somewhat went down the tubes to an extent. You remember we went out to the owners' meetings and and, and seeing uh, the announcement being made and getting the energy in return and uh, from the people and the fan base watching the news. It was it was pretty bad, you know. It was it was one of those morning type situations um, that normally happens when you see teams leaving a community. But the piece that brought it all together was Marshawn Lynch. 
I think he comes in and, and he he sparks the team in a way, uh, energy-wise. I mean, going all the way back to the jumbotron when he was dancing, right? Every bop in their heads and 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 seeing all the things that he was doing to where the other team was complaining because he thought he was creating all the noise. While Marshawn Lynch does have some fuel in the tank, I think it's more now about how do you schematically position him to have some success? Uh, is he a better football player than he is an ambassador of that community? I would say yes. But if there is a feel-good story uh, in that community for a guy that came out of retirement to go back to that community, a place in which he was raised, um, and, and, and went to the University of Cal, went to Cal Berkeley, um, and maintained being in the Bay Area to open stores, to, 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 do, to do different events with the fan base, coming out of his own pocket to do certain things. It, lend, it lends you to think for a second that, yes, he's now have become the ambassador of that community, and rightfully so. He's from there. That's his hometown. He understands how it operates. But at the same time, I think he's as important to that team uh, as he is also important to that community. Marshawn Lynch, tonight's home team hero presented by Miller Lite. Ambassadors are regal. Ambassadors are helpful. They don't win football games. Marshawn Lynch is 31. He didn't play at all last season during that brief retirement. Fair to wonder if he's not the same player as he was towards the end of his run in Seattle because, Cordell, look at the numbers. Twice this year, he has failed to gain 20 yards. Yeah, but but here's the thing. You know, in comparison to what he did when he was in Seattle, they ran the football first. Look how Seattle's playing right now because they cannot run the football. Once, once Marshawn Lynch left Seattle, it was all downhill. Well, that same issue is taking place in Oakland. They don't run the football. They're pass-happy and a pass-first team. So when you put that together, it's now a matter of when does this organization, Jack Del Rio, get to the point where he wants to favor what it is Marshawn Lynch can do and be persistent with it because there's no level of persistency from in, 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 in an efficient way um, when it comes down to anything that this team is doing, whether it's the passing game, whether it's the running game. So until they figure that portion out, I think they're going to continue to struggle. And guess what? We'll find out tonight for sure because they play against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, tonight. So um, I think once they find find out what they're committing to, I think and in, 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 in hopefully they can favor the running game as they move into this month of October and, 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 and also – uh, moving over into November, where now once this team actually has to travel and going on the road and getting into inclement weather, you know for sure they have to go to Buffalo on the 29th. Um, and then they travel to Kansas City, which would be cold. Then they have to go to Philadelphia. So you're looking at some of these games. And the other games, of course, they're playing at home, which Oakland, you know that weather, how it is really mild, can get chilly. Uh, but mild and it plays into the favor of, the, of that play. Both teams, really, especially if you're coming from the East Coast. But they have to hurry to figure it out because if they don't, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for this team moving forward. But, yes, Marshawn Lynch, I think, is the key to this team having success, and I think they need to start establishing a run by getting his offensive line to play downhill as opposed to, as opposed to on the arches and heels, which is in the pass protection mode for Derek Carr. Breaking down the pros and cons of Marshawn Lynch, he's tonight's home team hero presented by Miller Lite. Cornell, I'm going to make you the play caller. Take a look at some of these numbers. Chiefs giving up 130 rushing yards per game. That's number 27 in all of football. Oakland has the highest paid offensive line in the league. What's the forecast for Lynch tonight? Is he getting more than 20 carries? Is he going to have finally 80, 90, 100 yards? Well, why this is one of the, the worst rush defenses in the game. You better believe this is one of the rush, worst rush offenses International Football League. So it's going to be battle, uh, be a battle of who's going to end up finishing in the worst position when it comes down to it. Think of this. Marshawn Lynch against the Washington Redskins, 18 yards. Against Denver the next week, 12 yards. Baltimore, 43. Getting a little bit better. Chargers, 63. You tell me, which team is worse off when it comes down to how they how they could play or how it could turn out in this game tonight. For me, because offense is a side that scored touchdowns, that's not touchdown recipe for me when it's all said and done. I think that plays truly into the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs 
because of the schemes and confusion uh, confusion that you can actually create. And then also you have Justin Houston. I mean, it's just I think it plays more in the Kansas City hands than it does uh, to the to the Oakland Raiders because they don't want to run the football. That's not what they do. Even though they're one of the worst run defenses in the National Football League, that's not what Oakland does. Oakland throws the football. If they get out of character to start running it, they may accidentally do well and get nervous and go back to throwing the football. That's how crazy it is for me when it comes to Oakland right now. So I think this become a evenly matched issue for both teams defensively, stopping the run and offensively running the football. I think it favors the defense because the defense ends up winning from a schematic standpoint because now they're applying pressure on on the quarterback when he throws a football, so on and so forth, and I think it could get ugly. But you know what? That's why you play the game. And you'll find out tonight with Kansas City plays against the Oakland Raiders. Where is that? In Oakland. In Oakland. Let's see. Let's see if he can bob his head with the dreads. Get that thing up there on the jumbotron. Can we get a little Van Halen bang your head? Can we get it going? Can we get a little bit of some of that tonight? Can we get the running game going with Marshawn Lynch? He's a much better player than 76, 58, 18, 12, 43, and 63 yards. Well, the 20, the 58 wasn't even his. That was for Richard. Richard, I just threw yes. it out there. <laughs> so just imagine how much he rushed for in that game. <laughs> Put that one down on you. Yeah, take that for data. And if you're talking Oakland, of course, you're talking too short. The pride of Oakland. That's the music that we're playing. Too short? Life is too short, remember? Yeah. Not suburban as I sound. Marshawn Lynch, tonight's home team hero, presented by Miller Lite. NFL No Huddle highlights your home team hero, presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Miller Lite, hold true. NFL No Huddle returns right after this. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on Thursday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Partner, four minutes left. Here are the stats that bear repeating. Four consecutive losses for the Raiders. That's why they're two and four. Overall, the Chiefs, 12 straight divisional wins. As Lincoln Kennedy reminded us, they have owned the Raiders five consecutive victories over the silver and black. Big picture. As you get ready for this game coming up at 525 Eastern time on TuneIn Premium, what do the Raiders need to do to set the tone early on? Make plays early and often. Um, The faster you start, the better opportunity and confidence you have uh, to try to win that game. Um, Kansas City, I just think, has too much firepower. I mean, if you're going off of what we've seen, um, even in a game against the Steelers, I mean, it was a totally different uh, game plan by the Steelers that, that we were accustomed to seeing all year. Uh, but this Raiders team, they have to be physical on defense. Offensively, they have to be physical as well. I just think the Raiders is running into something that I don't think they may be ready for, because this was a that was a that was a gut wrenching loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers for Kansas City, and I think this is one of those games psychologically, based on the numbers that you mentioned, winning winning the division consecutively, let alone how much they beat this Raiders football team. This was a game that they needed, uh, but in order for the Raiders to win. They have to score every single time. And let's just say the first three possessions, they have to get some form of points, whether it's field goals or even a touchdown. I would love to see two touchdowns or maybe two field goals and a touchdown just to set the tone early. If they don't, they get caught up into this match of 
you know, going one, two, three and out. And then all of a sudden you see Kansas City with Tariq Hill and Kareem Hunt figuring it out. Travis Kelsey and company in this defense by Justin Houston and Eric Murray getting their minds right, trying to get a re- back. Matter of fact, not trying to get, but rebounding from last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it will be tough for this Raiders team to get it done if they don't score in the first three drives. I need scores on the first three drives. That's the only way I can sit here and watch the game and say they have an opportunity. That's the only way. Okay. That's a solid blueprint. Two minutes left before we pick the game. How about this logic? Always go with the most desperate team. And undeniably, if the Raiders lose tonight, I know it's October, they fall to two and five, they're done, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. In terms sure. of a playoff you, you, contender. Yeah, you can say that. You can say they're done with, with, with I think, the conversation of being one that can contend in this, in this conference to, to be the best team in it. Uh, especially with, you know, you talk about a team desperate. To me, I think the the bigger picture for Kansas City forces them to have to get a win tonight because they go down two, uh, then then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what's the problem? Was 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 the first five games a aberration, as you would say? You know, was it was it the hocus pocus? Was it the you know click the three heels type thing? And all of a sudden back you you know we back to to reality of this team not being as good. They was just a, a show for the first five games of the season. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Kansas City, this is a rebound game. Okay, make it official. What's the final score? Kansas City wins. What's the tally? Kansas City wins. I think they win 31-17, Kansas City. Something I don't know what else in. to tell you. Rough night for the silver and black defensively. Oh, it's, gonna be, it's been rough Hold period. Hold on. Navarro Bowman's going to play tonight. Okay. That's going to help. Yeah. They're and at the home. Gonna come, and the game's going to come on, too. Anything <laughs> else you want to tell me? That I did. I'm talking myself into a hot take. The silver and black... We'll be back. Cornell, they have to win this game. It means more to them than Kansas City has on the line. Kansas City, if they drop back-to-back games, can still achieve all their goals. Raiders lose tonight. Season is over. Oakland wins it. It's tight. 24-21. If I'm wrong, we'll burn the tape. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.